All right, and now we'd like to invite all the kids to come on up front up here and have a seat. Uh, we're going to read through the Christmas story. So if you're at about fifth grade and under, you're invited to come on up, find a spot to sit. Even if you're a guest tonight, come on up and join us. Feel free to bring somebody along with you if you'd like, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or something. Come on up and find a spot to sit here. All right, come on up, find a spot to sit. All right, good to see everyone tonight. Merry Christmas. All right, so tonight we're going to read through the Christmas story uh, from the Bible, from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, okay? And as I read through it, we're going to have some pictures up on the screen too. So if you want, you can watch the pictures as I read but you can listen real carefully as I read through the Christmas story, okay? So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. So this is the Christmas story as we read it in the Bible. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power called Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His, mo uh, Mary, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man 
and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. Now, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who, he was, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is to be born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. 
and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star with his heart, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warmed, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So that is the Christmas story. And you know what? It's different from other stories. It's not just a made-up story, but it's true. It's absolutely true in every way. It happened exactly as God planned so that we all could be saved from our sins and have eternal life. And that's a great reason for us to celebrate tonight, isn't it? Because we're saved from our sins. Jesus saves us from our sins. We are in the Luke, or the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses uh, 8 to 21. Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 to 21, which is page 857. This text is a rich feast that will fill you up. It's the only place in Scripture we have this record of the shepherds hearing from the angel and then going worshiping the newborn Savior, Christ the Lord. And so let's thank God for it. I know Pastor Jeff just read it, but I want to read it again so it's in your brain as we go through a few meditations on it. Luke 2, verses 8 to 21. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel who is of them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of 
eight days when he was circumcised, he was called, uh, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father, may you shine on us that we may by faith receive this gospel as the shepherds, as Mary, and as Joseph did. And so please bless us with hearing by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we left off chapter 2, verse 7, we see the birth of the baby. And now in the same area, we note in verse, the same region, there were shepherds out at work, third shift workers, apparently, and an angel came. So angels are prevalent in the birth of Christ, an angel appearing to uh, Zechariah, John the Baptist's son, an angel appearing to Mary, or father that is, angel appearing to Mary, to Joseph, and now to the shepherds. And they come with the news. He comes with news of uh, great joy that will be for all the people. Note that. And the sign would be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And suddenly there appeared a great host of heaven. Now there, the term is a bit different than angels. I know sometimes we picture these as angels. Uh, It could be other heavenly hosts that God had created along with them. We see other uh, angelic-like great divine beings in Scripture uh, and throughout Scripture, we, we don't know, uh, but they were there, and they were glorifying God, singing, praising, glory to God in the highest. Right after that, the angels haste, or the the shepherds hasten to go see this thing, and they make known what they've heard, and all wondered them. Mary, we know, treasured them in her heart, and the shepherds return. And then, when the baby was born, Joseph and Mary name him the name given, Jesus. Let's start with this saying that we have in verse ten. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That term good news is the term gospel. And so what is the good news? What is the gospel? The central truth in this text is this angelic pronouncement of this gospel. What is it? Well, it's first good news of the birth of a baby. In this baby, we note, is salvation. Right? And uh, this born this day in the city of David is a savior. So in a, an infant, in a newborn baby, is salvation for all people. That should be remarkable to you. That God would choose to save so many through the birth of a child. And that child is named Christ the Lord. He's king. So this one was born to rule. He was born to reign. In fact, you... There's a, Luke is setting us up a contrast. In 2.1, we have Caesar Augustus, who made a decree and caused the whole known world to have to move, to have to go and be registered. Well, here is a baby born who is actually the Lord, the one who alone would bring great joy to all people. Caesar brought misery in the form of taxation. Christ brings joy. Right? Christ doesn't come requiring you to pay something. He comes to pay for your sin on your behalf. And he would be called Jesus because he would save, their people, uh, save his people from their sin in Matthew 1.21. And he would be the only one who could bring peace on earth. Right? Peace is first with God. If you're not aware, you and I are born at enmity with God. We are born at odds with God. We don't want to have anything to do with him. By nature, we are separated from him in misery because of our sin. 
And the only way to peace with God is through this child. And then, if you have peace with God by faith in Christ, you can actually have peace with each other. We'll get to that in a bit here. And he says, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Note that, with whom God is pleased. This isn't uh, that we have to somehow become pleasing with God before he'll bestow favor on us. This is, according to God's good pleasure, according to his choosing, he will grant peace between he and us through Christ. And so the source of all peace with God is God. You'll note, too, in verse 21, that this gospel included Christ being circumcised when he was eight days old. In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, we read that Christ was born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And so Christ had to participate in every way uh, under the law, and this started with his circumcision. And right there then, you're already receiving a note that he alone can break the, the bonds of the condemnation for breaking the law. You and I are lawbreakers. You and I are commandment breakers. We have offended God with our sin. And Christ fulfilled every point of it for us. He received in himself the curse of law breaking. And so this is the good news that the angels are announcing. In this child, you can receive peace with God. Now, who is this good news for? Who is it for? What kind of people hear and receive this good news? The first hearers of this good news were shepherds. Men at work keeping their flocks. Farmers. Men who knew how to shear animals. Men who knew how to protect their animals from Harm men who spent themselves at night keeping watch over their flocks. He doesn't come, the angels don't come to great men and women. They don't come to men in palaces or women in fine clothing. He comes to the least, the most insignificant, the forgotten. So there is a great contrast here between the source of the gospel, God, and those to whom it's revealed, shepherds. And so right away, when, when we read that this would be great, good news of great joy for all the people, you can see yourself there, can't you? God doesn't care one whit for who you are or what you've come from. No amount of celebrity or wealth or beauty or color can commend you to God. God comes to working people, people who even work the third shift. And so he comes to people like us. He comes to people like you, people who live in small places that do small things. And he comes to bring them good news of great joy. And these shepherds respond with fear first. And this is, should be as it is, for you can't hear good news and first 
You hear the bad news, as we said. The bad news is sin. The good news is Christ came to deal with it. And the shepherds listen. Note that. When they decide to go to Bethlehem and see it, note at the end of verse 15 that it says, which the Lord has made known to us. That should catch your attention. The Lord himself wasn't there. An angel was. But they receive the angelic word as if it's God's word. And this encourages them to act with haste. Note that. They go with haste and find the baby. They don't delay. There's no excuse. God demands that his word be responded to with faith, even quickly. This is why we as parents want our children to obey us right away. Because we want our children to learn from shepherds. And so, if you're going to respond to this gospel, you must respond to it as if it's God's word, because it is. You're not responding to anything that a human being has created. You're not responding to anything that the church has created. You're responding to good news that God himself has done for you by sending his son. And so, will you respond? Will you respond in humble faith like shepherds? And then they go, these shepherds, and they see a rather unimpressive everyday sight. A woman having just given birth, her husband, and a baby in a manger. As I said yesterday, this manger scene probably wasn't a barn. It likely either was a cave, as you saw in the picture, and Pastor Jeff did it, or a first floor of a home where the animals were brought in at night. Anyways, what they saw wasn't glorious. But they saw with faith. They saw what God was doing. They looked steadfastly on God and saw not what it appeared it was, but what God said it was. That's what faith is. You begin to see life through what God says it is. And then these shepherds tell the truth. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They became evangelists. And so the first human evangelists in the Bible are shepherds. They make known. So this is our charge, isn't it? When we receive this gospel by faith, like the shepherds, we then live to make it known. We sing songs on Sunday morning to make this gospel known. We go home and have dinner with our children and read the Bible to make this gospel known. We go to our workplaces and befriend people and and treat them hospitably, having them over for dinner in order to make this gospel known. We don't have authority to add to it. We don't have authority to subtract from it. We just tell it plainly like God has told us. And then these shepherds worship. So after receiving this good news of great joy for all the people, they hear it with faith, they go in haste, and they make it known, and then they worship. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Now, notice that they go back to work. I think sometimes we as Christians think that our lives are going to be totally different. And in one sense it is, when you're forgiven of your sin, your life is totally different. But you just go back to work. You just go back to shepherding. You just go back to carpentry. 
Right? You just go back to wood cutting. You just go back to nursing. You just go back to homemaking. But you go back as one forgiven of all of your sin. And so you go back rejoicing and praising God. That is, the, sh- the angels said that this would be good news of great joy. They said this would be good news of great joy. And so the shepherds are still shepherds after they hear the news and see the baby. Right? When they go back to work, they just go back to the same job. But notice how they go back now. They go back glorifying and praising God. That is, they receive the good news as if it was great joy. Do you notice that? So externally, nothing in their life changed. Nothing. They went back. They returned to keeping watch over their flocks by night. But they went back with great joy. What's the only difference here? Christ. He's the only different in their life, and now they have joy in God. Look at Mary as another example of this receiving good news with great joy. Everyone who heard it in verse 18 simply wondered. This is a note of just kind of curiosity. No faith. Just hearing strange things that bring them a touch of awe. And then you have this little word, but... Mary is different than everybody else, but Mary treasured up these things. She intentionally stored them up in order to meditate on them, to marinate on them, to treasure them. There's a note of joy in treasuring, isn't there? Tomorrow morning, kids will open treasures. They'll enjoy it. Mary, after hearing the news of the shepherds told by the angels, treasures these things. She's tattooing them on her brain. She doesn't ever want to lose the joy of seeing a Savior born. And so, for you who believe, this is supposed to be good news of great joy. You're going to go back to the same job on... Wednesday, you're going to wake up next to the same spouse tomorrow morning, right? You might have the same disease in your body that you did today. You might have the same financial troubles tomorrow that you do today. But there are good news of great joy in a Savior being born who is the end of all of your sin, who is a new beginning Now notice in verse 14 to conclude, the heavenly hosts praise God saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Our world is constantly working to try to bring peace on earth. And strangely enough, they do it by trying to show how separated we are. Male from female, our world is bent on trying to allow females to have everything that a male is and could be, rich from poor, rich are constantly um, berated for not paying their fair share and giving more and more to the poor, white versus black, 
straight versus gay, Christian versus secular, and on and on. And they're always then proposing, after dividing us, a way of peace. And it usually involves suppressing one to give to another. And it only widens the gulf. You'll notice that our world is bent on this process, creating a division and then proposing the solution to the division that they created that only widens it. And then they do it again. Right? It's kind of like um, the latest thing that the government proposes in a reform to fix their previous reforms. And so what is the only, what is, what is the only way to peace in this earth? What is the only way to peace between male and female, black and white, straight and gay, Christian and secular, rich and poor? It is the gospel. It is the repentance and faith of ordinary people like shepherds in Jesus Christ. If you want peace on earth, it's not going to be through an elected official. It's not going to be by you cowing in white guilt or feminism or the false gospel of same-sex attracted Christians. The only peace on earth is through the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and reign of Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem to a virgin. Christ died to remove all of the guilt of your and my and our sin and that alone brings peace. Because the only reason we don't have peace is because of our sin. And so we have to deal with sin. And the only solution to sin is Christ. So the sin is at the root of all of our division. And so Christ is the only way to peace over it. Right now, fully and forever. So if you're here and you have not received this good news of great joy that's for all the people, can I urge you to do it? There's no magic prayer. There's no card you need to sign. It does require your life. Christ bids us to take up your cross and follow him. It will require you giving everything that you are and have to Christ in obedience to him. But there is great joy in it. And so I'd urge you as we sing the closing song to Consider whether or not you want to turn from what you are, from what you've had, from what you've done to faith in Christ. And may God do it. Let's pray. Father, would you do this now? Would you do what only you can do is save from sin? And would you cause us to hope alone in your Son for peace on this earth? And that we might have boldness to proclaim this gospel as these shepherds do. And then treasure and receive it up, treasure it up in our hearts as Mary did. And so God, do this all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, so glad that you're all here to do this. I'll leave you with a benediction, then you can blow out your candles. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, to all generations, forever and ever, and amen. Merry Christmas. Enjoy tomorrow.